0: And welcome to episode number 283 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and joining me on a Saturday morning just for a change this
1: week... It's Matt Smith. You have no idea how hard it was to get out of bed this morning. Literally no idea. Yeah, for
0: those of you who, who know a certain gent called Ed Sheeran, yeah. who's currently doing, uh, I think, it's a two, is it a two-day or three-day?
1: Yeah, oh, I wish it was two days. Two no, day. no, no, he's doing it till Monday. Oh, okay, yeah. till Monday. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, Matt, he originally um, did two nights, and then everybody went, oh, I want to go see Ed Sheeran. So, yeah, and right. so suddenly it was four nights. Yeah.
0: So Matt is... Uh, carting coach loads <laughs> of ed sheeran fans from one side of east anglia to the other to uh, to go and watch concerts but
1: um, uh, on the plus side at least it's a local lo- venue if well you true what i mean yeah. there is that yeah. so it's, it's not like i've got i've got a traipse all the way to like wembley to, to to drop them off and pick them up otherwise that'd be a bit horrendous but, oh. so, anyway but well yes. done yes thank you i'm thank sure you they appreciate much. you oh, of course yes well, absolutely. Well, uh, he, I, I can confirm from my car park position that he was fabulous last night.
0: Oh, I, mean, yeah. I suppose you get free, yeah, free. Can you not sit on
1: top of the coach? Or is that not an option? Have you seen the size of the stage? Seriously, okay. you, you need to go, go, on, go online and have a look at the picture. Anyway, this has really got nothing to do with aviation whatsoever. Okay, <laughs> moving swiftly on.
0: And joining us uh, this week from across the, uh, across the rivers and lakes and ponds and streams and stuff, it's Armando.
2: Hello, everybody. It is incredibly early here in Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, it is five in the morning, but that is proof of my dedication to the show and <sighs> coffee. Yeah, and, I, and I'm and i sitting
1: here whinging because I had to get up early. Yeah, we yeah, love you, yeah, Armando. Yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Armando. I know
3: it's
1: early. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All hail the little. How, how are things
0: in the uh, flying game with you this week? Uh, it's
2: been pretty good. Uh, we have some interesting weather. I think I say that every week, but <laughs> it is just like Florida here, where uh, every day at 4 o'clock, we've had thunderstorms, and just the other day I was out flying in Asheville, and uh, yeah, I got, I got socked in by a couple of thunderstorms that popped up very, very quickly, and uh, I was in a Cessna 182, so it was interesting getting out of there, uh, and we actually had... I, I'm still waiting to see what the uh, video or what the rest of the story is, but there was a Cirrus uh, that just went down and he pulled his parachute um, and survived. So two occupants on board, uh, they got into a thunderstorm or something, got caught in terrain and, and pulled their chute and it went down in the woods and they walked away from it, just pulled out their cell phones and called the local emergency responders and walked away and they went and they went no
1: thanks that sounds too scary for me call someone else
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah right no so we we did get put on alert to go look for for that aircraft and uh we were generating three search and rescue crews Hmm. um so i was on the east side of the mountains and and our our brothers over in asheville squadron were um uh you know, they were they were ready to go and ready to respond, but we uh we stood down because the those uh folks uh they were okay. pulled out they their phone and, and called. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So wow. and there you know, there was another cool really cool YouTube video from a Canadian gentleman that uh pulled his parachute in a Cirrus in the Canadian wilderness and he was rescued four hours later. So I don't know. I may I may rethink my um, my next aircraft choice based on these uh, BRS shoots. <laughs>
0: right, well, you know who you got to go and see when you do. You know, go and purchase this new aircraft, don't you? Who's that? Our guest from a few weeks back, Max Trescott.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. He yeah. is <laughs> Mister Cirrus. Yeah, absolutely. He is the man. Yeah, he's very yeah.
0: serious about Cirrus. Yeah anyhow are you feeling all right i know okay. it's early isn't it <laughs> great <So> segue we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd think wouldn't you apologies yeah. this week uh, nev uh, can't be with us this week unfortunately he's uh, he's busy doing things in the sun because it is look quite nice here this weekend on this bank holiday weekend <laughs> it's not, not very hot. often you'll hear us say here in the uk this bank holiday weekend will be sunny yeah. but yeah. it is
1: i know right how did that
0: happen so yeah. put that one in the diary man yeah okay yeah. but we have a special guest joining us this week all the way from australia and he's joining us via the realms of Zoom. So welcome onto the show, Ben Jones.
4: Hello guys, how's it going? It's um, great, to be, uh, great to be on the show. And uh, yeah, coming in from uh, sunny Perth, Western Australia. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean we, are, we already know the answer
1: to this question, but I assume that obviously the web is fabul- fabulous in Perth.
4: <laughs> it is absolutely freezing at the moment. Uh, we're <laughs> yeah, about yeah, 26 yeah. degrees Celsius. It's what, freezing. What temperature did you say? 26 Celsius it's freezing 26 oh right dear. okay but you yeah. realize that's a yeah, summer's day I'm for used to 42 Celsius okay right
1: I don't think we should have any more weather chat I think we should move no. on uh, <laughs> so Ben how are
0: things in the world of uh,
4: aviation and flying for you uh I haven't been flying for a little while but I have uh, been working on my aircraft so yeah just Chipping away, I had an old VW engine on the front of it, and I've taken that off, and That's I've brave. put a more reliable Rotex nine one two. So, of course, you change the engine, then you change all the instruments, then you change all the fuel system, and you change all the electrical system. So your four month quick changeover of an aircraft to the engine turns into. Uh, Thirteen months, fourteen months. So, right.
1: Yeah. Uh, forgive my naivety here, <laughs> and I, perhaps I should save this for a bit later on. But, but surely, if you've gone to those extreme lengths, would it not have been cheaper to replace the aeroplane? <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, <yeah>, well, <clears throat> yeah. The, okay, the, all right. The okay, okay, would sorry. probably <laughs> say that, but um, yeah, it's okay. no, it's actually a lot cheaper doing it the way that I'm doing it. So I'm, um, I'm certified to do a lot of the work for myself oh, on the home books. So I'll
1: yeah. get you showing off again, honestly.
0: So welcome mm. to everyone who's joined us in the youtube chat room this morning all the usual family members in there just a quick date and time check 24th of august already oh, don't wow where, where is the year uh, romping know, away? coming to up to yeah. quarter past 10 in the morning here in the uk and uh, yeah thanks to everyone who's uh, woke either woken up incredibly early or staying up late or have just sort of kind of tuned in because it's yeah. a, it's
1: a or indeed of course uh, listening to it when you have time uh, exactly. uh, on the on the audio version via iTunes or other yes. fabulous platforms are available. So we have got quite a lot to
0: get through this week, including all the run-up of the weekly news of things that's happened across the globe. Uh, we've also got, uh, coming up this week, we've got a little uh, segment about Big and Hill. Uh, obviously, we were Did there we last week. Yeah,
1: this time, last week, in fact, we, we were We I were. Know, we were yeah. there. We were enjoying um, hospitality in its finest, oh, finest wow, form. We certainly yeah. were. <laughs>
0: Uh, so we've got that coming up. I've also got uh, a video from listener Jan Hubner, mm. uh, which is coming yes, up as good. well later. And at the end of the show, we've got a special little audio segment, which has been sent in to us by, well, podcast royalty again. Well, it's yes, uh, uh, yes. Grant
1: McCarran. Did you episode. know that Grant McCarran and, and The Playing Crazy Down Under was genuinely the first ever podcast that I listened to? Really? Genuinely. I, I was fairly, even, even though you did one, I still didn't really know much about podcasts and didn't know didn't really know a great deal about it and that oh. was the first po- podcast mainly because you get banging on about it uh, I know. and I think they like, are good. and it was and it was actually their one of their Avalon is it Avalon? Avalon, yeah. Avalon, Avalon coverage yeah. episodes it. is the first one that I ever heard they are they are that's that's uh, if anyone didn't need a claim to fame in their life that would be it have you have
4: you done any air shows it was Just probably Avalon uh, oh, no, Avalon 2013 oh, I, I think that. I think I was there with um With
1: the guys. Oh, wow,
0: fantastic. There we are. Anyway, come on. Right, we better go on. I've
1: got to go and drive a bus.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we
4: are going to start. Coach, coach,
0: (laughs) not bus. Bus, not bus. Air bus, air bus. So we are going to start the show then as we do each week with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Armando. He's on mute. He was on mute again, wasn't (laughs) he? If you're ready, Ben. Yes, I'm
4: ready, definitely.
0: Matt, push the button. Yeah, here we go. So kicking off this week's first news story on the mirror.co.uk website and good news for anyone who lives uh, in the UK and wants to, to go and travel on the A350, Virgin's new A350 to Ooh. be exact. So uh, Virgin Atlantic's new A350-1000 aircraft joins the fleet this year and you can currently bag cheap flights on the route so it's welcoming, welcoming, welcoming the new aircraft into its fleet. And uh, that's because the aircraft registered Golf uh, Victor Papa Oscar Papa nicknamed Mamma Mia, will be operating on direct flights from London Heathrow to JFK New York, which is included in the cheapy deals. Uh, so you can currently snap up return flights from £272 per person on the JFK route based on economy light tickets uh, in October and November. It's not just New York flights though which are included in the latest sale there are plenty more great US destinations not to mention some tempting deals on Caribbean hotspots like Barbados and uh, if you go over to uh, Virgin's site you can check out all the deals there. Uh, and it's also worth noting that currently the A350 is scheduled to operate on flights from J- Heathrow to JFK only so do check on their website but it's do you goodness. think that's
1: because of the distances and things like that involved? it's uh,
0: it's a proving thing for them it's a new aircraft you know they've got to get crews used to yeah doing... but
1: um, you know i mean if one was using it purely to prove an aircraft perhaps you'd use something a little bit more local and close to home <laughs> you know in case you have some tech issues you know if you're if you're only having to go you know to malaga or something you
0: know it's it's going to be um it's going to be good i think for virgin you know new aircraft they're obviously going to start phasing out their um uh, 747s soon as a lot of airlines are but uh hopefully fingers crossed me and neville get to see what these the the uh, dash mm. 1000s like in november with uh, with ba's uh version of these a, a lot of these um in Australia at the moment, uh, Ben, the Dash 1 thing? I take it you've got the 350s.
4: Uh, yeah, the 350. Uh, I couldn't tell you what Dash numbers they are because I'm not really a heavy iron sort of follower. So I, <gasps> I couldn't. couldn't. <laughs> no. no. I slapped myself. I couldn't tell you, actually, to be honest. No, I wouldn't have a Scooby Doo
1: either, to be fair. Uh, you know as uh, the a319 and the a320 they're the only two i can tell the difference of uh, I think, I think any other aeroplanes <laughs> oh and you know i can i can i can spot an osprey that that is literally oh, well, the end of my... i'm under a we'll love you
0: for <laughs> yeah, that yeah absolutely <laughs> no i think yeah. as well before we but, move on i think virgin have also updated their cabins in there the 350 so it'd be quite nice to see because virgin do like they do like a nice red Do they? They Right. That would be good to see those.
1: Anyway, we'll move on to the next story, and uh, this is on the DailyExpress.co.uk. hideous Uh, news. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ryanair warns of severe... Story number two, so it can only be one company. uh, They warn of severe damage to business and pilot jobs, even after August August strikes. So, Ryanair has forecast flight woe way beyond the current set of strikes as it suggested huge damage to the budget airline. Pilots for the budget company in the UK are currently in the midst of a walkout today and tomorrow. uh, Which I think Mm, is now finished actually, wasn't it? Yes, it it was yesterday it finished. Um, uh, Michael uh, Michael O'Leary's firm managed to prevent similar disruption occurring in Ireland yet it is uh, Brexit not the strikes (laughs) which are causing the longer term fear for the cheap flight firm. In a statement released yesterday, Ryanair hinted At the woes come uh, with speculation jobs could be lost uh, due to uncertainty of the UK's departure from the EU. Ryanair said Ryanair regrets the decision by less than 30%. Uh, of our highly paid UK pilots to vote for strikes on Thursday the 22nd and Friday the 23rd of August in support of unreasonable pay demands that Captain's pay be doubled from a current £170,000 per annum to over £375,000 per annum. The uh, telling comment came after um, as it followed just nine weeks before Brexit, oh, which weeks. would uh, severely damage Ryanair's business and UK pilot jobs. It did not go into any further detail of what damage, whether financial or otherwise, it was referring to. It also did not place a figure on the number of pilots under the spotlight.
0: So it's safe to say it's all a bit, it's all gone a bit pear shaped here in the UK with uh, with the strikes thing. I think, the, I mean, right now uh, they're doing something. BA have got some yeah. planned, yeah, um, all for the these these you know the wages. Um, I mean, what Armando? What do you think about? It says here, obviously, the the captain's wages being one hundred and seventy thousand. They want these to double to three hundred and seventy five. Any thoughts? I'm
2: um, not sure about the British numbers for, uh, you know, average pay for captains, I think 170 is probably a little low, uh, or I guess, you know, the equivalent of that is probably about 200 uh, something, a thousand US dollars a year is, I don't know, probably on the mid to low Mm -hmm. or the low side of middle. Uh, here in the US I I think you certainly start lower than that but uh, once you've been with an airline for a while but but Ryanair also does a lot of contract pilots too so um I don't I don't think those jobs those contract crews ever make as much as the actual airline crews so um, I, 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 I'm gonna risk I know, saying something you
1: know. a little controversial here
2: um and I know what you're going to if say
0: 170,000 pounds.
1: No, there is that, but no, I, I get that. You know, if that's not the industry standard, then then you know. But at the end of the day, they don't have to work for that airline. So you know, there's there's very little help from um, that airline to make to help you become a pilot in the first place. We know that first hand, obviously, from friends of ours who mm. who have gone through that program. Um, I don't know a small part of me saying like a job is a job if you don't like it i mean they're busy boasting about how there's this horrendous pilot shortage and all that kind of thing if you don't like it go and work for a different airline you know Mm, i I, I do agree with you matt i'm unusual you know don't get me wrong i'm the first one to be bashing ryanair but a small (laughs) part of me is thinking well, if you don't like it, don't work for them. I mean, I, I know that we'll get emails and communications and how, how hideously wrong I am on that, and I look forward to reading those out next week, actually, as, as maybe as, as a follow-up. But as I say, perhaps, you know, f- and perhaps it's because of, obviously, the industry that I work in where, you know, we're driving coaches and it isn't entirely uncommon. In fact, virtually all of us are earning, you know, perhaps not as much as we'd like for the for the work and the responsibility that we have. Definitely. So, you know, but in my industry, there's very little point in moving and working for someone else because that's the pay across the board. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, but you could very easily, you know, move to another airline if this shortage is, is as extreme yeah. as everybody uh, says. I
4: think the, the issue with moving to another airline is the, the cultural of seniority of, um, right. you know, you, okay. you've done your time in the one company and you work your way up the, the ladder of seniority um, and then, as soon as you slide step into a different carrier, then you're back to zero. So, you know, yeah, you're, you're literally point. back to FO doing um, doing the grunt hall work. So, that's probably one of the reasons why they don't want to move.
1: Yeah, no fair point. Yeah, no accept so,
2: that. While you guys were kind of discussing it, I guess another thought popped into my mind is here in the US uh, and many other places, you've got to work your way up through the regionals. And,. Uh, so the the pay that they're talking about is is commensurate with a regional airline, I think, where you're flying a CRJ or an ERJ, um, you know, some kind of smaller regional jet, while Ryanair is putting people into the right seat of a 737 um, fairly fairly quickly, you know, with some some low hours. So mm. I, I, that's why we we don't know the exact numbers, but if no. you're a thousand hour pilot, well, then here in the U.S maybe 1500 hours you're going to be working for a regional for less than that um while Ryanair will put you in the right seat of a 7-3 and here to to get into a 737 here in the U.S. unless you went through the military path it's going to be probably five years at least at a regional making that pay or less before you get into a 7-3 so um so I guess that's a little bit of a difference that I thought of while you guys were talking. Anyway.
4: They're pretty much a regional airline.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, genu- well, I suppose so. You could you could argue because, I mean, most flights are sort of average between three and four hours, don't they, I suppose. you know, I'd, And certainly yeah. in the U.S., three and four hours is very common, isn't it, as, as a sort of like a, almost like a shuttle service, frankly. And I dare yeah. say it's the same, obviously, in Australia. I mean, you know, the, the land mass in Australia is ridiculous, frankly. Uh, well, it's the size <laughs> of
4: the con- continent. U.S. basically, yeah, so yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah four or four hours from mm. uh, east coast to west coast, easy.
1: Uh, but any, anyway, seriously guys, uh, as I say, you know, do do write in with, with how you feel about that and perhaps we'll, we'll bring it up as a discussion next week. So, yeah, how much should a pilot be? Paid? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. podcast at com is our email address, do, uh, do send in your thoughts and comments and, and we'll have a, a little chat about it again next week. So the next story,
0: Armando, uh, as Nev is off, we're giving you a BA story this oh, week, and it's um, all
2: about some rubbish phones that BA have just brought.
1: Oh, shut up.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, so Apple <laughs> has scored a new major customer, and that is British Airways. So the airline recently revealed it purchased 15,000 iPhone XR models. <laughs> That's quite a check. Uh, unfortunately, they are... <laughs> 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 yeah, they are not for passengers like Nev in first class, but uh, instead for its cabin crews. Uh, The new phones are part of an effort to give flight attendants better ways of delivering a personalized customer experience, and it follows a trial in which senior cabin crew receive new iPad models on every flight. Uh, British Airways said the iPhone XRs will come with pre-installed apps that will allow its crew to offer tailored uh, assistance during its flights. For instance, a crew will be able to see and adjust customer information from the phones, including being able to confirm details of new bookings when flights are delayed or canceled. Book special meals or amend passengers' preferences. British Airways offered this example from a crew member using an iPhone XR. Uh, Recently, when a customer realized that he had forgotten to order a special meal, he was really impressed when I quickly took out the phone, logged on to ba.com, and ordered a meal for his return journey, all within a matter of minutes in the middle of the flight. It felt so rewarding to be able to immediately resolve the situation for the customer all of my crew reference guides are also loaded onto the phone, so everything I need is in my pocket throughout each flight. It really made a huge difference already. Uh, while it seems that likely that it will certainly provide valuable insights to crew members so that they can deliver premium customer experience, uh, one can't help but be a cynic and wonder if it also means crew will now be spending much of their time staring at phone screens <laughs> instead of actually... Contracting with the passengers—I
1: <laughs> mean, that's 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 always a thought, of course. I yes. say, that's quite quite a cost,
2: <laughs> Matt.
0: To uh, to be a—they—they—they they, they retail around about seven hundred quid each.
1: Yeah, well, you may as well say that figure out out, out loud, Carlos. So I ten mean, and
0: a half million yeah basically a yeah ten and a half million, yeah, 10 and pounds, and a half sterling million pounds sterling but,
1: uh, admittedly obviously they won't be paying paying list price probably not for no. those for those but nevertheless if they if they if they went into the EE phone shop right now and bought <laughs> and bought you 15, know, 15 000. 000 that is how much it would cost them yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. just a 64 gig model yeah anyway and moving right. on because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how much you love uh, rubbish phone. phones yeah. Yeah. shut up so uh <laughs> ben
0: the uh, next story is uh, all
4: one for you excellent so we are on the channel news asia.com so uh it's a story about a aircraft from madrid 14 people had to be treated for injuries in madrid after a flight operated by a spanish carrier Evlop. i'm assuming i'm pronouncing that correctly ran into severe turbulence en route from Mauritius, a company official who declined to be identified, said on uh, Wednesday, August the 21st, the A330-343, I knew that, Airbus <laughs> aircraft landed safely at its original destination in Madrid's Barajas Airport Tuesday night after suffering a 15-second episode of CAT clear air turbulence that made the aircraft plummet a few hundred metres in the sky over Ethiopia. Wow. Three crew members were amongst those injured, all of them only lightly injured. The company source said 11 passengers had ignored the seatbelt warning Surprise. activation before the plane flew into the turbulence zone. The El Mundo newspaper on Wednesday quoted one passenger as saying the plunge had sent various people flying towards the ceiling and floating in the air like you see in the movies. (laughs) We all thought we were going to die, he told El Mundo, uh, adding that upon the safe landing, the passengers applauded the crew and hugged each other.
1: Oh, how nauseating.
4: Uh (laughs) One passenger who only gave her first name, Ma, told Radio uh, uh, Sedina, sir, that the plane plunged like when you hit the fairground attraction. Mm. We saw many passengers fly literally over the seats, some hitting the ceiling and some of the the seats beside them. The airliner said the seatbelt warning activation before the plane flew into turbulence zone. So interesting! Some people did not uh, did not adhere to the uh, seatbelt warning.
1: Yeah,
0: what a surprise! We we hardly ever cover stories like this,
1: do no, we? No, no. you, mm. you what, story, stories? of of, um, of passengers, passengers injuring not themselves, doing not doing yeah. as instructed by their cabin mm. crew. Oh, that is that is shocking news.
0: I, I'm guessing, Ben, when you travel long haul, you tend to keep your seatbelt fastened even when you are sitting watching the uh, in-flight entertainment.
4: In-flight entertainment. What's yeah. that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's australia
4: yeah 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 oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah australia yeah yeah sorry um you've you've got a window that's yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, um yeah. no <laughs> when i i actually fly a lot commercially for work and uh yeah i always fly with the seatbelt on because yeah clear air turbulence can happen at any time so
0: yeah I'm sure we'll cover actually Eve, Eve-lop, Evelop 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 if you want to call them they're actually <laughs> relatively I had to look those up because I'd never heard of those they were formed in 2013 um, they've got um, a relatively small fleet all Airbus they've just got a mixture of 320s 330-200s 330-300s um, they've also got a 330-900 Neo on order and they've got one A350-900 which was delivered um early this year which they've got in service so um, quite a small airline i've never heard of them armando i'm guessing you've probably never heard of um of the airline no no never heard of it no there we go we learn something new every day here on the show <laughs> well here we are so uh the next story is on cnbc.com and uh going back to the max story again thought we'd go back this week Ooh, on the subject of Max's, on the subject by the way oh yes matt has got a new aircraft in the studio here you yeah. can see for those of you watching on youtube we have got ourselves our very own ryanair uh, 737 max 8 there which is actually they have to rebrand that because they're not calling it the max 8 now they're calling it the dash 8200 so perhaps they, they forgot to rebrand that one but um <laughs> yeah so the uh, story on there the headline boeing uh, uh, boeing apparently is hiring hundreds of temporary workers To maintain the parked 737 max aircraft so uh the story goes boeing is hiring hundreds of temporary workers to help maintain the growing fleet of 737 max aircraft that are awaiting delivery most of which are parked in car parks so they're still uh, making them then even though i know yeah yeah, right okay Uh, so the company has posted job listings for a few hundred temporary workers uh, who will help the company with the 737, uh, 737 max storage and maintenance at the port of Moses Lake, east of Seattle. Boeing will not say exactly how many employees are being hired, and Boeing is seeking uh, avionics technicians, aircraft mechanics, airframe and power plant mechanics, and aircraft electricians, uh, according to a company spokesman. Uh, Since aviation regulators across the globe grounded the MAX in March, Boeing has continued building the aircraft, but will not be delivering them. Uh, Many are parked uh, near Boeing 737 plant in Renton, Washington, and dozens of other MAX models have been flown to other locations. Locations where they're parked and receive daily maintenance. Uh, one of those locations of the Port of Moses Lake, an airfield next to the Grant County International Airport of in Moses Lake, Washington. So Boeing experts uh, or Boeing expects to uh, file an application to recertify the 737 MAX by the end of September, and hopes the Federal Aviation Administration and other regulators will approve software fixes in the aircraft um, uh, plane. Uh, which have failed. If this happens, Boeing expects the airlines to return to uh, the 737 MAX service by the end of this year. Thoughts Watch this space. What do you reckon? Is this going to happen? I mean, obviously, it's good for temporary people who want to work with aircraft.
2: Yeah, and I was looking up where Moses Lake is. It's uh, on the east side of the Cascade Range. So it's the, the eastern part of Washington is a lot more dry, than the western part of washington so i'm sure that's why they're putting them out there and uh yeah i mean if you get 100 airplanes that are parked somebody's got to take care of them especially because they they will be delivered at some point so uh, you know somebody's got to run it up somebody's got to move it around and um yeah it's just another cost for boeing as a result of this uh the sun going yeah. up here. Uh,
1: and speaking of additional costs uh, for Boeing here, this is on the SimpleFlying.com website and it says Boeing 777X engine recall and Antonov Ew. AN-124 is needed to carry the engine. So the Russians and, are helping us. Aren't? Yeah, basically yeah, yeah. GE Aviation has recalled its four GE 9X compliance engines from Boeing. Uh, the four engines would be used to power the first flights of the 777X but have suffered from unexpected wear in high pressure compression. Uh, in order to ship the four enormous engines from Boeing's facility to GE's in Ohio, a huge Antonov AN-124 will be required. The saga of the delays to the newest plane in the Boeing stable shows no sign of ending soon after the first flight of the 777X was pushed back in June this year. Due to issues with the engine, further details were uh, were revealed during the Paris Air show that suggested the fix was not going to be easy. At that time, Boeing admitted it would be autumn before the new bird would take to the skies. However, that has subsequently become unrealistic too. In Boeing's second quarter earnings call, the playmaker admitted that the 777X was unlikely to take its first flight before the new year. This indicated that the problems with the GE9X engines ran much deeper than initially thought. Uh, Today, we're getting an indication of just how deep as uh, GE Aviation has apparently recalled four engines from Boeing in order to address the fault in great
4: detail. What happened
0: to the good old days, you know, when when everything was lovely and worked and there was never any issues with anything. Uh, uh, and... To be
1: honest with you, I think it was probably in a time when there were less shareholders involved, and they were able to properly test things before they got them in the air. I mean,
0: do you, do you remember those days, well. uh, Ben, when when aircraft used to just fly and there was no issues? And
4: yeah, it's um, it, it's, it's. I think the old engineers, the old uh, the grey beard with the pocket protector engineers, are uh, they're all slowly going by the wayside, and a lot mm-hmm. of it is going. And they have also a lot of uh, actual physical and technical knowledge about the aeroplanes and how they work. And it's all gone down to computer screens and CAD work and people behind, you know, 3D models and stuff like that. And I think the the issue that they have on some of these problems is the people that are designing the parts actually don't see them in real life and have never maybe mm, driven a bolt yeah, or, true. you know, a rivet and doesn't actually quite get... Um, that third sense of engineering, which is I don't know, a weird thing to say, but it's there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense, though. Uh, is, is it also, um, Armando, I'm going to throw this question to you. I mean, is it also possibly something as simple as the fact that, again, the media is much more sensitive to these things? These things were perhaps happening before. It's just that we as general laymen weren't necessarily finding out about it because d- data like this just simply wasn't published 10, 20 years ago.
2: I. I do agree. That's exactly what I was thinking. Actually, was uh, unless you were in the industry, following aviation magazines, you really didn't know that you know there was problems in, in Boeing, no. <laughs> at Boeing Washington, that because there there's, there was no internet, there was no instant, no. Uh, n- you know, news cycle that that. Yeah had all this information that we have available to us great for podcasting not so good for everything yes else. yes mm. no
1: yes we're, we're grateful for the content <laughs> gentlemen yes <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
0: so the next story armando is um all about an airline that we actually we saw farmbra i think it was last year when it with the uh, oh yes aircraft, yeah the a330 yeah. Yes, or the yes, a380
2: yes. yeah but this is a380 we saw but oh, was um, it? Oh, yeah okay. this
0: they've obviously got one of these so um yes carry on armando
2: yeah This is from uh, Simple Flying, and it uh, is about uh, HiFly and how they will uh, soon have a new aircraft in its fleet, and they are keen to show it off. It is the A330-900neo. Capacity of 371 passengers. This uh, is one dense. (laughs) A330-900neo. Here's a look inside, so I don't know if Matt's going to play out the pictures. One one uh, moment, caller. It is in a... Two class configuration Uh, with only 18 seats. This is one intimate cabin. Uh, Three rows of seats in a 222 configuration make up the entirety of its cabin. Uh, Compared to other aircraft with a 222 configuration, this one looks quite modern. Furthermore, there are plenty of privacy partitions. Passengers should be in for a comfortable ride. The seats are flat beds, according to HiFly. These kinds of seats are similar. To the ones found on other airlines such as Air India, uh, Hainan, Latam, uh, the 787 is wider than the A330, so this could be a tight fit, however, with a similar, it is similar to the width of Fiji Airways seats. This is very specific. Um, in addition, all passengers in business class will have access to entertainment via seat back screens. HiFly has selected the third generation Zodiac RAVE system. Economy Class makes up the rest of the aircraft with 353 seats. Uh, other carriers, carriers are seating fewer than 300 passengers on their A330s. However, that is not the only thing hi Fly is doing with their A330 Neos. Economy Class is in a 333 configuration. Nine abreast is tight on Dreamliners, let alone the A330 Neo. Uh, so, yeah, the, the uh, article goes on a little bit. Um, let's see. This aircraft is likely to serve as a leisure charter or a wet lease on uh, price-sensitive routes with low business demand, or uh, low-cost co- low carriers could find this aircraft appealing amidst uh, aircraft groundings. Uh, there you go. So, and that's essentially the beautiful Martin airplane.
1: The, the, this is the thing. That's essentially high Fly's model, isn't it? So it's like it's people like say uh, Virgin or or BA, where let, let let's use the Trent, the Rolls Royce thing, where you've got several, even at Heathrow, haven't you? You've got several mm. uh, planes on the ground, literally with no engines on because they're they're away being dealt with, um, you know. And and you know, this is these are the sort of companies, if you like, that are sort of helping to to fill that gap, I guess, because they because they literally they come with crew and everything, don't they? Mm, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Because no, we saw the three hundred and eighty that they've got the three eight the A three hundred and eighty that that Fly uses ex Singapore Airlines one that it uses the the old Singapore Airlines interior. Um, this this A three hundred and thirty dash nine hundred Neo has obviously got a whole a, fresh new mm. interior. But I, well, I was looking through the pictures here, and I, I do think that the business class one just looks a bit boring. <laughs> looks a bit. But do you not know think functional? I mean? Func- looks a bit yeah square and cornery and. For those of you watching in YouTube, I've probably saw the pictures that Matt put up on the screen. Um... I mean, obviously, it's nice. We, we'd all love to fly in business class. Yes, yeah. no doubt uh, yeah, about
1: that. To, let, let's, let's get this clear. Uh, um, you know, I don't care how square it is. If I'm in business <laughs> class, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I just think it looks a bit, yeah, bit yeah. bland. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so high. Words, fly, just, just FYI, um, high fly. Carlos doesn't want to fly in business class. Anything because it's very first, square. Yes. Oh. First. Yeah. Love, yeah first. <laughs> right. Okay.
2: Well, what's you know, compared to last week when we were talking about Virgin's, uh, you know, upper class. Yeah. That, that looked beautiful, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah no all right He's,
1: all right okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> anyway, come on.
2: again, all of us are going to be in sixty-eight X. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Four hundred Y. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: We'll be in the APU. Yes. Uh, then, uh, APU back at yeah. the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough of yeah. this high fly nonsense.
3: <laughs> oh, oh
1: dear. God, right. Oh, I forgot who's next. Yeah. <laughs> it will be Ben. Ben,
0: Ben, Ben. Actually, Ben, you've got a local story us for us here.
4: Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're on simpleflying.com at the moment, and uh, we're looking at a Whiz Air, Whiz Air article. Uh, London's South End Airport can chalk up another airline to the growing list of low-cost oh, wow. carriers. Whiz Air has scheduled two new routes from the airport to Europe, as reported initially by Business Traveller. Wizz Air. What's behind that name? Anyhow. Porterpest <laughs> based with Air is one that means something completely different in yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. By the yeah, way, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on board. I'm pest based I, I, Air,
1: Like I have spent enough time with Grant now. I know what you mean. Moving on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, 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 is one of the world's biggest low cost carriers behind EasyJet and Ryanair. The airline is a part of the uh, Indigo Partners Group and is set to operate two new routes from London South End Airport. They are South End to, I'm going to say, Vilnius, Lithuania, and London South End to Bucharest, Romania. London to Vilnius will operate twice a week on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and Bucharest will operate on a denser frequency of every other day other than Tuesday and Saturday. Both routes will operate with the Airbus A320. Oh, nice. Now, uh, yeah. So they're obviously um, using the aircraft on one route one day, and then the uh, other route the other day. I, I mean, it's, it's,
0: I've got to say, Southend Airport. You know, I've flown from there as oh, we you know have, yeah, yeah, with yeah. with Air Malta, and obviously Ryanair flying out of there, EasyJet flying out of there as well.
1: Have they got enough stands? There's going to be.
0: Now? I know. There's going to be. <laughs> they're going to have to really, I, I, you know, expand or do something with with London mm. Southend because. With all these airlines coming in, it's proving to be very in. popular, it is, Yeah, and it's great because it's easy to get to for us. It's yeah. a really nice airport to fly through. Probably as quick as Stansted, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they, I think they will have to look. They might already be looking into it yeah. to expansion at the airport. I yeah. don't know, but um, it's, yeah. it is a nice airport to fly from. I will say, yeah. and uh, it's I wouldn't be surprised if Wiz start adding other destinations. Yeah, no. from. So, from Bend. said airport yes mm. so, so i
1: think carlos today is sponsored by simple flying oh uh, i know
0: sorry because
1: <laughs> yeah. the, the next story
0: yes the next story is uh <laughs> is low-cost carrier uh scoot to rebrand Fly scoot. scoot biz yeah. so uh scoot are going to be offering uh, uh a, a thing called scoot biz which is going to be a premium offering i do i do love this airline's livery it's um Really in your face. Uh, the product uh, will be rebranded as Scoot Plus to reflect the improved experience that the company looked to offer. According to a Scoot press release uh, shared by uh, Runway Girl Network, uh, Scoot Plus will have a fuss-free, upsized Scoot experience. God, you thought whiz was bad, Ben. <laughs> so there will be a range of extras included in the low-cost carriers revised product. Priority check-in, priority boarding. That will be the first perk of the upgrade offering. Passengers with excess luggage will be able to take advantage of a 30-kilo check-in baggage allowance combined with a 15-kilo. That's not bad. 15-kilo cabin bag allowance. That's quite nice. After storing the bags, they can relax on Scoot's wide premium leather seats with double leg room. Nice. Uh, these also come with in-seat power for electronic devices that can be used to provide Uh, Up to 30 megabytes of Wi-Fi, Matt, you'll be pleased to know. 30 megabytes? (laughs) While travelling. What the hell are you going to
4: do
1: with 30 megabytes? (laughs) While travelling,
0: they will be served inclusive alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. 30 meg
1: will literally do one of your photos out of your camera.
0: Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Scoot is a subsidiary of Singapore Airlines Group. Didn't know that. The company launched uh, this brand in June 2012 before merging with Tiger Air in Singapore in July 2017 since its inception the airline has served over 60 million passengers and has a fleet of 20 boeing 787 dreamliners and 29 a320s the airline is also set to add two more dreamliners and 37 a320 neos to its holdings and it currently flies to 66 destinations across 19 countries and territories, the majority of which are in China, but also with a significant presence in Indian and Malaysia. This whole premium things, you know, these airlines are starting to jump on this premium bandwagon now. Ooh, what with
1: its whole 30 meg free Wi-Fi. I know. Okay, right. But it's
0: always (laughs) nice to have more leg room and a slightly bigger seat.
1: Yes, but a 30 meg, that sold it for me, a whole 30 meg. Are you a
0: regular (laughs) premium user, Ben, or do you normally get uh, stuck in the...
4: Cattle class, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, um, it, in Western Australia, we, uh, we fly a lot of 717 Boeing's, um, and mm. there is no such thing as business or first class or premium. It's all cattle class. So the entire aircraft, um, cattle class, no IFE, no nothing. Um, we do get a drinks cart with tea or coffee, and mm. a um. Uh, oh, so toasted it, sandwich.
1: So, so, so my <laughs> my my jesting is perhaps rather unfair. You would kill for thirty megs worth of free Wi-Fi, then. <laughs>
4: yes, yes, I, 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 it would be lovely. You yeah, uh, know, yeah, yeah. I've I've actually, I, I literally fly four or five times a month on commercial airlines, and probably in the last five years, I say I would have had internet connectivity three times on three different airlines. Wow. So, okay. Yep. Gosh, it's um. You get it for your major routes from uh, your, like your Perth to the east coast mm-hmm. um but any of your regionals and any of the inter- interstate stuff uh we don't we Forget don't see any incident uh, or anything like that oh.
0: mm-hmm. what is a chosen aircraft uh, airline of choice uh, Ben
4: uh for me personally it's Qantas um okay. they have a very good uh reputation for keeping a constant level of service. some people say it's not the best level of service but it's constant. Whenever you hop on a flight, it's, you know, everything is the same. Some of the other airlines you hop on, um, they will actually, I can name the airline now because I don't have family members flying for them. Uh, um, But um, yeah, the other airline in Australia, they subrent a lot of the routes out to smaller companies to fly under their banner. And that's where you have your differences in service levels. So, yeah, some aircraft, you get free biscuits and teas and coffees and stuff like that, and then you hop on one particular route, um, You get free water, and if you want a muffin and a coffee, that's, you know, $15. So, yeah. Ouch. Right. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Mm. No fair so stick- I just want consistency. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) yeah. Stick to a model, essentially. (laughs) And a a warm panini. Yeah, A a lukewarm panini. A lukewarm panini. Indeed. Uh, Once again, we're sticking with uh, the uh, marvellousness that is simpleflying.com, and the headline is... Special story for you. When will Delta Airlines retire their Boeing 757s? Not soon enough. Uh, With over 100 of the type in their fleet, the Boeing 757 is a very important aircraft to Delta Airlines. uh, Serving high-density in- uh, short-hauls and medium to long-haul transatlantic services, the 757's versatility is prized by the carrier. However, these aging aircraft will soon need replacement. As of yet, Delta has not firmly indicated a 757 replacement. There is uh, Here's a look at the Boeing 757 and Delta Airlines. So, merging with Northwest, uh, the 757 was the only common type uh, between Delta and Northwest. However, Delta only operated the smaller 757-200 prior to the merger. Through the merger, Delta acquired the larger 757-300. Unlike the 757-200, the longer derivative uh, version of the uh, is not as versatile and serves high-density routes in the United States. Delta kept a large number of the 757s acquired from Northwest and the Atlanta-based carrier has kept them in service. The latest count from Airfleet shows Delta operating 127 uh, Boeing 757s with an average age of over 20 years. This puts these aircraft very close to their ideal retirement age. So what, is, what are their 757s like? Delta's. Clearly, are I you can... going to make me read this no. uh, <laughs> yeah. Deltas are configured for two different markets One, on one hand there are domestic and leisure 757 with first class comfort plus and main cabin meanwhile for premium and long haul markets Delta offers lie flat business class each seat has access to seat back entertainment anyway yada yada yada
0: I personally <laughs> love the 75 Do I you? always have right. okay. it's, it's one of those aircraft that that I've flown on a number of times really really enjoyed it and yeah yeah,
2: it is is what they call it
0: it's a pocket rocket
2: just for the record, it's uh, the article said 127. It's probably down to 126 now because they had that one that had the hard landing in Delgada. Oh, yeah. oh right. yes. yeah. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's that one a- less that they have to retire. Well, that's true. Yes, yes, yes. That's They've the one with the, the crumpled fuselage. Yeah. That's the one, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes. Do you think that'll buff no, out? I,
2: I, yeah. <laughs> I. think that airplane's probably done. I looked at the pictures the other day, and it, it's a pretty significant crease right after the, uh, or just in front of the two, the door two. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I'm like, I'm like you, Carlos. I've always really liked the 757. You know. I don't I know. I it's probably a great just,
1: airplane.
0: yeah, I just. Oh, hey, well, it's like, it's like. Perhaps, uh, it's perhaps. like the, the Porsche of the of the airline world. You know, it's just oh, it's, it's really overrated. The engines are you know way too
2: powerful for the engine uh, for the aircraft itself. You know, and my good friend John Jester, who's in the chat room, uh, he gets to fly all over the world um, in order to pick up airplanes for his uh, air air carrier, and he says that they have some overhauled interiors that are better than anything he's ever seen. So. Mm.
3: Mm, there we Greetings
2: are. to uh, Dr. Steph. I just saw uh, just flicked into the chat
0: room there. I see Dr. Steph's in the chat room, and also Ray Davis as well. Hello, hello to you, Ray. Nice to see you in the uh, haven't the seen chat him in the chat room for a long yeah, time.
1: My <laughs> dear, it's because we do it for a silly, a silly time for the Australians usually. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So next story, uh, Armando
0: is uh, one that we covered. A, I think it was a few or a, few, a week or two, a few weeks ago, and um, this is more info on said story.
2: Yeah, I think we briefly mentioned it after the show had sort of gone mm. off air, but it was still developing back then. But uh, from Flying Magazine, uh, the NTSB has released information that brings some light to the accident that likely induced a lot more adrenaline than race car, driver, uh, race car driving <laughs> does to a 44-year-old professional driver, Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, the son of legendary NASCAR Hall of Fame competitor, Dale Earnhardt. Uh, Earnhardt and his family... We're taking a quick 20-minute uh, hop from Statesville, North Carolina, to Elizabethton, Tennessee. They were able to walk away from a fiery wreck after the citation latitude they occupied was unable to stop on the 4,500-foot runway. The Elizabethton Municipal Airport does not have a control tower. Atlanta, Georgia-based NTSB Senior Investigator Ralph Hicks held a press conference on Friday at the airport. Hicks said the conditions at the time of the accident were VFR with calm winds. Based on information from surveillance, surveillance videos, Hicks said the business jet bounced at least twice before coming down hard on the right main landing gear. The gear collapsed as a result of the hard impact. The airplane continued down the runway through a fence before coming to a stop on Highway 91, about a thousand feet from the end of the runway. Earnhardt, his wife, their one-year-old daughter, and two pilots and and their dog uh, were able to evacuate safely before the fire engulfed the airplane. The cockpit voice recorder has been recovered and sent to the NTSB headquarters in Washington, D.C. There was no flight data recorder. However, the Garmin G5000 avionics suite contained some flight data that Hicks would see, would, uh, would consider very useful. The Earnhardts and the pilots were interviewed by the NTSB and the quote, information they provided is very consistent with the video. End quote. Uh, preliminary NTSB report is expected to be released by the end of this week. The, this week. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. So I, I, it, I watched this airplane take off. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You I, I were was saying. in the air. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was in the air in the in Statesville. Uh, I was flying a, a 172 when they took off, um, and uh, yeah, I watched them take off opposite direction from everybody else to head out for that quick little hop over to uh, Tennessee and I believe the race was in Bristol uh, that weekend and uh, Earnhardt Jr. was out there to uh, to announce the race so pretty quick flight and I looked at the terrain surrounding the Elizabethton airport and uh, it's pretty challenging terrain so I think you know that may have been part of it Uh, I think time may have been part of it as a compressed timeline and and be in rush or anything like that. We know we'll let the NTSB do their thing, but uh, yeah, they they landed pretty far down the runway and it was only 4,500 foot runway. So
0: looking at the air yeah, pictures, um, uh, Armando, this crash and literally the only part of the aircraft that's untouched by fire is the um, is the, the cockpit, cockpit yeah. the flight deck. Yeah, the whole rest of the aircraft was uh, pretty much consumed by uh, the fire.
2: Yeah, they're. There's some there's some videos out there that you can find and the aircraft did go through the fence kind of ended up resting on its left side a little bit in in on that highway all of the occupants were able to get out and you could see the dog was actually the first one to run out so the quadride. dog was running yes. away absolutely yeah um, but everyone was able to to walk away from the crash mm. um, and then once everyone was away I think that that fire uh, slowly developed and then and yeah. then you know consumed the airplane. So, the last
0: story, uh, Ben, for you is just um, uh, an update on uh, the uh, A321 crash, uh, what we call Miracle on the Cornfield.
1: Yes, mm. indeed.
4: Yeah, uh, Ural Airlines has now disclosed that the Airbus A321, which came down in a cornfield after takeoff, after uh, a takeoff incident at Moscow, will be cut up for scrap. Um, the airline stresses that it does not plan to reuse any part of the twin jet which <laughs> lost power and apparently after a bird strike and carried out a gear up touchdown in the field. I'm going to call blowing uh, snow on that one. Careful. Um, Yule Airlines <laughs> says that the jet has been fully prepared for removal, including dismantling in the engines, fuel has been removed, other pressurised systems depressurized, including the hydraulics, oxygen units have all been discharged and taken out. In coordination with traffic police, the region in the region, the aircraft will be cut up and taken away from the scene for disposal from the uh, 23rd of August. Investigators are still probing the 15th of August incident, and all the passengers and crew survived the emergency landing involving flight u To, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, a a a good outcome for all, and um, yeah, I was reading somewhere else that um, they had twice the amount of passengers as the uh, Sally incident. So a good uh, good result all around. Hmm.
1: I I, just, I, just, I mean, we we were saying off air, air last week. I, I've got all these. I've got a head full of conspiracy theories on here. <laughs> on this whole on this whole miracle in the cornfield thing what? yeah oh, <laughs> really <laughs> i know i know i just think somebody wanted to steal sully's limelight i'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there we are oh no right. <laughs> you so, know the
2: videos the the passenger videos are are really impressive they mm. the, i the crew did now i'm not a conspiracy theorist yet so i'm not on on board with you matt <laughs> okay but, uh, fair enough. I, the crew did a fantastic job <laughs> yeah yeah Really great. Really but great they're not job. going to use
0: any parts of this plane, so they're not, not going to use the, the, the cart the food carts, they're
4: not going to use
1: No, I mean that's um that's that seems mm. like a frankly a terrible waste. Uh-
4: <laughs> I, I think that the technical get you out there is they do not plan to reuse oh, any. Okay. So if yes. it accidentally yes. happens to reuse, well then so be it. Yeah. But um, for an airline to uh to not take an aircraft and scrap any serviceable parts out of it, let's be honest, there's got to be gotta be quite a fair amount of that aircraft still usable so yeah, um that's true that some is, of those parts are going to make back into service yep. We can guarantee you that
2: well as john says uh the insurance owns it now so they may not be able to well no, no that yeah, is true.
1: true that is yeah, true, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah i hadn't thought of that yeah. yeah that is very true
0: so that is where we bring the uh commercial news uh, to a close this week and, uh, but coming up next, uh, we've got a little uh, video to play out to you guys and girls, which is uh, about uh, something that me and Matt and Nev done uh, last week. And I have to say, Amanda, we really missed you last week. It's a shame we, uh, we couldn't charter that um, citation to bring you across from the uh, from state side. <laughs> I,
2: w- I would have loved to have been there. Yeah, we missed you so. I watched well. your your live, uh, some of your live uh, oh, yes. videos on Facebook. Yeah. you did a live thing and on live, Facebook. Me, me and they've done a live oh, okay. feed from uh, the show. Yeah, where was, was really I? Good. You were in the
0: media tent. Probably. Oh, was I was I scoffing on, on snacks and stuff? Yeah, yes, yeah, that sounds like sandwich. something I did. And those pies were so nice. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'll anyway, come anyway. back.
1: We'll come uh, back to that. Let, <laughs> let's play. Let's play the intro very quickly, Here and we then go. we'll talk. We'll talk briefly about about what what happened and what's coming up.
0: So we are here at the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight, and it's safe to say I need these on because the weather is really good. Considering what the forecast was like, we were a bit worried that it may be slightly overcast today, but the sun is shining. Uh, it's already starting to, uh, to build up here with uh, lots of stuff coming in. Uh, there's lots of private aircraft, jets, private jets coming in um, behind me. Every now and again, there's one coming into land. There's um, also lots of trade stalls here as well which will uh, go around later and ice cream vans I will say there's lots of ice cream vans here just for uh, Captain Al because he will appreciate that but we've got lots to look at today lots to see we've also uh, uh, got uh, really good contact with Andy here at the press center and he's going to arrange for us to uh, talk to some pilots uh, later on uh, and we're going to talk to those about, uh, well, about Biggin Hill and about the festival of flight so we're looking forward to that so uh, well I'm going to get on now with uh, the preparations for what we're going to do here today. Matt's here with me as well, and Nev is obviously behind the camera. So uh, we all had a good journey down here today, and we're looking forward to a good show. So I'll hand you back over
1: to the studio. <laughs> You've always wanted to say that, haven't you? <laughs> going to hand you back to the studio. Uh, and I have to say, actually, uh, what, what I'm going to uh, do now. So while uh, basically, long, long story short, while the, uh, the guys were busy... Uh, uh, doing their, um, their their interviews and stuff. I was essentially left watching the air show because, unfortunately, we were only allowed. No, to... No, you had your head stuck in a
0: broadcast van.
1: Well, there is that. All right, I may have, <laughs> I may have had my head stuck in the, in the Meridian broadcast van also, but uh, yeah, with a very uh. very understanding and charming lady. Um, but while they were uh, getting into some f- cracking interviews, which you'll hear a little bit more about, uh, I I got a little bit of a flavour of the air show. say one of the things that uh, that was so difficult they like i'll tell you what proper cameramen i have so much respect for now after trying to have a go at that because i basically we only had one tripod for the day so i was having to do that all you with did. no tripod yeah. and because i don't understand cameras and carlos's camera specifically so i was having to do all that with the largest camera lens you've ever yeah, seen you in your entire carlo- which is one. great when you're trying to like the ones you know when they're in the air and they're doing their acrobatics and all that kind of thing but you have no idea how many <laughs> fences i had to climb there's one shot in that in that little montage of nev and carlos uh, interviewing i think it was steven wasn't it from, yes from uh, the overall air, force, from the to to overall manage, air yeah. force and i had to literally climb over about four fences to get far enough away <laughs> so that i could get those three people in shot I mean, it was just ridiculous uh, but uh, yeah it was uh, I, I mean I, I was i literally had nothing else to do other than to enjoy the air show while those guys were were, were busy doing that as you say and uh, the the catering was, uh, it was beyond f- it was beyond fabulous i've never been to an air show before where where we were brought food uh, i it mean was lovely was, oh it was we had yeah. sandwiches and
0: yeah. some uh what we have we had some quite posh uh drinks and uh other and those, those we had these these cakes were like these pies and these <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, my they word. They are like caramel tarts, Oh, they, they were yeah. just... It's like a custard
1: oh. tart, but but basically sort of... I only had one. Yeah, um... yeah, yeah, <laughs> one case uh, is the honest thing. Yeah. And if Gemma Rossi only had actually one. <laughs> one. That, that's it, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it was really good. I, I, I say, I can't get over how good the, the, the day was. It was really mm-hmm. good. And we bumped into... Uh, it was Dan Huntington and Dave... Dave David Dave, Harris. David Harris, yeah. that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bumped into them. I'll tell you what, genuinely, if you're ever lucky enough to be at an air show with David Harris, put your phone away because if you, you have don't any need it. you don't yeah. need, if you have any questions about any aircraft that's not even at the show uh, that man is a walking encyclopedia i am yeah. not exaggerating here seriously put your phone in your pocket and just listen to david because he is one smart man i mean he's he like he's like yeah.
0: the uh air show wikipedia
1: oh my goodness me yeah mm. absolutely mm. but uh, i swear he can go back like you know oh he does yeah he can go back decades. years yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. but it was a it was a, a really really good time what well, i mean your
0: highlights uh highlight I, was, I think the highlights for me were were, were obviously because of of uh, the help that we had from yeah. um uh, from Ali, yep. who was oh, there yeah, looking was, after mate, us. Amazing, yeah. um, The highlights, I suppose, were being able to to access, by right, you know, behind the flight yeah. line and, and really, you know, up close and very personal with uh, the yeah. jets that were taxing. Right past us, right. right past you, yeah. Um, absolutely, and which was obviously quite far away from where the public display, mm. yeah, the flight line was itself. Yeah. But um, yeah. no. So our
1: interviews, uh, our interviews, our uh, interviews from the show are going to be coming up um, uh, over the sort of next week. So our, our first one will be next week when we have the legend that is now back mm. in the chair, all being well. Um, but uh, yeah, we did a little sort of like summary, if you like, or an outro uh, of our day. Well, it's the end of the day. And uh, I, th- I think it's safe to say it's been an incredible day. What, yeah. do you, what do you reckon? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, the
3: weather's held out. It was it a bit chilly been. first thing, but uh, yeah, it's been really good. Great flying, great crowds, and most importantly, uh, the media food has been very nice. God, yes. <laughs> of uh,
1: wow. We're like one minute into the segment and we're already talking about the catering. Yeah. Right? Now Al would be so proud. So. Uh, yeah. Can I just point out, guys, that we haven't. We, we need to do one thing before we go home.
0: Oh, ice cream. Yes, oh yeah, we haven't yeah. done the ice creams yet, but we ha- we have got some great content for uh, for this show. Um, the show. The be- one of the great ones I think was the Royal Jordanian Falcons, mm-hmm. and uh, me-, well, me and they've got some incredibly close access to uh, well to to the flight line really. Uh, we were standing. Literally that far away from a Spitfire, and uh, we're also uh, well right next door to the uh, Falcons uh, aircraft as well, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, what about you, Nev? You uh,
3: enjoyed the. uh, It's been fantastic, and it's been made all the more nicer by the really excellent hospitality of the media team here it's yeah. made our life so much yeah. easier uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I, spe- yeah.
1: I think special thanks must go to mm. Colin and Andy, Andy and yeah. Uh, yeah. Ali as well who have yeah, been Ali, working yeah. tirelessly uh, to get us some cracking interviews uh, which yeah. uh, obviously you've got to look forward to over the coming weeks yeah it's, really yeah,
0: it's been it's been a great day um, obviously as we said with the weather being like it is you know it's it's turned out really good in the end better, with, than, with expected. The better than expected yeah. so yeah but it's been a great show and as Matt said we have been really looked after by the guys here at Biggin Hill and if you probably see behind us there is <laughs> a the BBMF Battle of Britain Memorial Flight oh what a view what a sound guys yeah. what a yeah, sound lovely. oh absolutely lovely yeah. so uh, that's it then for uh, the Biggin Hill Festival of Flight 2019 we hope you enjoy all the content from the show and uh, any last words Matt?
1: Uh, yeah I want me ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah I want one as well yes and can I just say we miss you Armando oh yes. yeah 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 yeah, and also we did, uh, also I do have a complaint here because we said we did nothing but talk about ice cream and, and then never, never actually had one, had one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway there can, I, can I just say
0: one of the other biggest highlights was the fact that we set the camera up to do that last bit there at the show <laughs> when when the the, the BMF flight came past behind us, it could not have been better timing. Honestly, yeah, I mean, I was he, so well, and,
1: and also Nev, without knowing that that was going to happen, I mean, he couldn't have have lined that shot up no, I any know. better, could he? Really, <laughs> just above our heads as it went through. Anyway, that's why you have a seasoned pro on the job. You see, that's know, that, that's what it, that's what she said. There is, uh, as I say, much to look forward to over the coming weeks. We've got some really good interviews yeah, coming up, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So, so we
0: have got next uh, on the show to plan a little bit of audio from uh, Jan. Now haven't we okay, on the show? Yes. So uh, Jan sent us in uh, this audio, and uh, I think was it was it Nev um, put this little bit together, didn't he? No, that would be or, me. Or it you? Yes, oh, well done, that man. Is. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to play out this yep. bit, been, uh, bit of bit uh, of feedback yep. from Jan, and then we are going to go so, straight yeah, uh, over I, to the military. I
1: should just uh, uh, apologise, really. Uh, uh, bless him, he's he's done it on on the aircraft just using essentially his phone because obviously that's all he had on on with him. And as I'm sure you can appreciate, good quality, the, Yeah, the the video quality is great, but obviously with the background noise and all that kind of things so just strain your ears because the content is worth uh, listening to but uh, we're having a, a, a little bit of a walk around a very special aircraft
3: Hi guys, this is your friend Jan from Berlin coming to you from uh, BAS A350 flight to Madrid today Um to give you a short Im- impression on the onboard product so what you're looking at is uh, the mini cabin after the second set of doors for Club World, the new suites very spacious. I'm in the front and I have to get a leave a 5 attendant through. So sorry for the shaky video. Hope Nef can edit that in post. We have nice Trent 1000 engines there. And from what you look at there, that's a pretty nice seat. Well suitable for a 14 hours sector or so. So, guys, after letting a couple of guys through, this plane is full of AF and people who are on plane mat, uh, like us are. Let's have a sneak peek into World Traveler Plus. That's probably what Nev and Carlos are going to have on their way to Toronto in September. Also, a very nice seat, you have slide out uh, footrest, and the seat, I've tried it early on, reclines quite a bit, so it's fairly nice fairly comfortable especially in the bulkhead rows it looks fantastic doesn't it there's the lavatories between the second set of doors and there's a club kitchen where you can find some nibbly bits and bites and something to drink on the long haul sectors obviously on the short flight to Madrid there's nothing and here we are that's the, the forward club world section that's uh, I'm my seat, uh, 3A on the way to Madrid. I uh, hope you enjoyed a little tour around the A350, um, this is a great product which we like, to actually leading edge in uh, business class and the economy class in Europe from my point of view. Um, thanks for the great work as a join Carlos and Matt a great time this is your friend Jan from Little and Simon the world BA for 64
1: to Madrid bye yeah. bye take care God bless you how thank you Jan thank you Yeah, Jan Hubner thank you so yeah, much thank for sending you, yeah. that that was fan- yeah. fantastic walk round. that's
2: awesome
3: <laughs> yeah I know
1: as I say there's not many people who can who can boast that they've been on one of those yet which I know is, which is just I tell you amazing what, BA
0: yeah. they they do do a blinking nice cabin yes it is yeah nice yeah
1: absolutely yeah. uh anyway uh we have some uh, very important business to yeah that's great that- Armando. over to
4: you
2: uh yeah so if you guys are ready we're going to do some military news for the week and uh and wrap up the show with that so if you're ready ben
4: Yep, go for it. it. I caught him off guard. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'm not on mute. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're ready in the studio. I was like, oh, click on the link, click on the link.
2: All right, so this first story we talk about quite a bit about the uh, reduction of humans in the cockpit. So the Air Force Research Lab and uh, Zyne Technologies have developed a robotic system that successfully flew a Cessna 206 for two hours during a demonstration at Dugway Proving Ground in Utah on 9 August. Uh, The Robotic Pilot Unmanned Conversion Program intends for a mechanical robot to fly an aircraft the same way as a human pilot would, says AFRL. The robotic system is called very original RoboPilot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Aircraft (laughs) RoboPilot grabs the yoke, pushes on the rudders and the brakes, controls the throttle, flips switches, and reads dashboard gauges in the same way uh, in the same physical way a pilot would. Uh, To maintain situational awareness, it uses sensors such as GPS and internal measurement unit device. Uh, Oh, Sorry, inertial measurement unit. Uh, A computer processes the information from those devices to decide the best way to control the aircraft. Imagine being able to rapidly and affordably convert a general aviation aircraft like a Cessna or a Piper into an unmanned aerial vehicle, having it fly a mission autonomously, then return back to its original manned configuration, uh, says a senior scientist with AFRL Center for Rapid Innovation. All of this is achieved without making permanent modifications to the aircraft. Uh, the installation involves replacing a pilot seat with a frame, holding equipment necessary to control the aircraft, including actuators, a robotic arm, sensors, cameras, power systems, other various electronics. It is not known how long the installation takes or if any special training or equipment is required, as AFRL did not immediately respond to a request for comment. It is also not known how many general a- aviation aircraft are compatible with RoboPilot. Um AFRL and Zine of Irvine, California. Design built, tested RoboPilot over the past year before attempting flight. A joint team of engineers demonstrated the robotic system performing autonomous takeoffs, mission navigation, and landings in a Redbird FMX simulator. The research lab says the Redbird simulator is a full motion simulator and an FAA certified trainer. Experiments with RoboPilot are similar to Aurora Flight Sciences' work on the DARPA uh, aircrew... Labor in cockpit automation system or ALIAS program. In that program, a drop in removable robotic kit was installed and tested in a Diamond DA 42, a Cessna 208, a Bell UH 1, and a de Havilland DHC 2. Uh, the system later prepared a simulated Boeing 737 800 NG for an auto landing. So, pretty cool. This is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past in that it's basically mimicking a human and is able to read the gauges and 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 operate all of these standard control systems so that's it's pretty neat I'd say. Yeah, yeah that's
1: that, that's that's quite cool. I mean, I was sort of thinking genuinely. If you if you're doing, uh, I'm thinking from like a military ap- application here. I mean, if you're doing any kind of reconnaissance, if it doesn't look any different to to a little you know little GA plane just going through. I mean, you know, talk about people more likely to essentially totally ignore it. I just think it looks amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel look, the like the whole, there's
0: a yeah, so cool. Go um, ahead, Carlos. Yeah, I just yeah. I just watching the video on there. It's just it's mm. just it is amazing. It's you know, it is. Cause it's an yeah. old, you know. To be fair, it's an old aircraft. Mm. You know, but the way they've set this up inside, with the actuators and all the all the parts mm. and stuff, it does a bloody good job of flying the aircraft. To be yeah. fair,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, uh, it's and landing. Th- I will yeah. say, yeah, it, it uh, yeah. landed as well. But, oh, um, winning. <laughs> I know that is pretty. <laughs> yeah, high. getting in the air is the easy bit. <laughs> it's getting it back on the yeah. ground safely. I suppose. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I, actually, actually the, the the next story. There's been a lot of um, uh, chat in Our little BFF, isn't it? Because uh, obviously, the, the, these guys are over in the states at the moment, mm. which which was sad for us actually, because ordinarily they would have been Hill. they would have been at yeah. Biggin Hill, but but they weren't. But I know a lot of people in the chat room have been. Uh, Sort of seeing them for the first time and have been very impressed.
0: Yeah, actually, for any of our listeners who are watching over in the US, um, if you've uh, seen these guys in the US and have got some pictures, mm. feel free do. to send us do. some yeah, on do. the show. We'd love to put them on the uh, on the green screen. Put behind them on the too. air, yes, absolutely. So yes. this is on uh, military.com uh, website. The uh, headline: Royal Air Force Red Arrows demonstration team to buzz. New York City. So, uh, calling aviation geeks in New York, there's plenty of them there. <laughs> uh, in their first visit to the United States since 2008, the Royal Air Force Red Arrows will perform an aerial demonstration um, next week over the Hudson River, according to an Air Force uh, news release. F 35 Joint Strike Fighters, the Air Force Thunderbirds, and Navy Blue Angels demonstration teams will also be part of the show. Be interesting to see if they all get together and do like a huge formation. Uh, so, the <laughs> Demos along the Manhattan skyline will feature uh, nine ship red arrow formation, uh, two F-35A Lightning II stealth aircraft, six F-16 Fighting Falcons from uh, the Thunderbirds. Oh, and six F-18 Hornets from the Blue Angels, according to release. Wow, now that would be a hell of a picture. onlookers mm. uh, uh, should gaze up uh, towards uh, the skies at approximately 9.30. Uh, this was on the 22nd, actually, of uh, August. So hopefully someone was there with a camera. So they do say on here that we've never done the Thunderbirds, uh, Blue Angels, Red Arrows flight over the Hudson before. Uh, Major Ray uh, Jeffrey, spokesperson for the Royal Air Force or the Air Force, uh, Air Force Demo Team, said uh, based at Nellis Air Force Base. He told uh, them on Friday. Plus, uh, they have also the two F-35s in the mix. Uh, it should, he said here it should be an amazing flight. So, Armando. Yeah, so this,
2: uh, the I said, had sent... Matt, another link, and the pictures that he's playing out is uh, mm-hmm. from the event where, where they actually did get some um, some uh, pictures from the formation. Super cool. And, uh, you know, I've said it before that I'm I'm a huge fan of the Red Arrows, so i, I love to see them in the U.S. and, and the pictures of that formation uh, were awesome. Uh, now, let's see. The, the next, so they're, they're going to be in New York until, I believe, tomorrow so if you get a chance they're going to be in washington dc for the next four days from the 25th to the 28th then up in niagara falls and then they head over to canada and oh. and armando's just dropped off oh
0: damn right through in denver oh, portland seattle
2: right. vancouver oh geez well i was just uh we reading lost off you for a bit go, then. go over to the red arrows yeah uh, good. I always like talking to myself. Um, nah. <laughs> to my wife, yeah, says my that wife not. tells me that too.
0: <laughs> they, have they um, have they been over to your side of the uh,
4: pond, uh, Ben? Uh, the red arrows? No, I don't believe so. I, um, I let's just say I don't remember it in the last uh, forty years now. Ah, perhaps that's one on their list of. To do list, I suppose.
1: Mind, mind you, I mean the sheer logistics. Surely, on 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 trying to do that, to 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 get over to to you know Australia. I mean that just sounds absolutely insane. How 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 would that even be possible? There'd
0: be a few stops, I think, on route. A few, mm. right? Like, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I can't I can't see how that would.
4: Or
0: have you actually, Ben? Have you seen the red arrows? Have you been across to the to the UK and seen these guys? <laughs>
4: Uh, no, I haven't actually been across to the UK. Um that is hopefully a plan for uh, maybe late next year. What I want to do is um hit a lot of the um hit a lot of the uh, uh museums and that kind of stuff over in the UK. Excellent. Yeah, sounds
1: good, yeah, absolutely. Well us, coincide, when you were over with here with let the, us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah coincide it with
0: uh RIA as well in July. Come yeah. over in July. That'd probably be good. Yeah, definitely. They're yeah, important. it might be an idea. Yeah. yeah. So, Ben, the next story is uh, for you on the Popular Mechanics website. Popular Mechanics.
4: Oh, just get rid of some pop-ups. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. The F-35 Joint Strike Fighter, JSF, is designed to fight against and win the most the technology-advanced adversaries in the world. One opponent it wasn't ready for, however, was the Suburban Sprawl. Across America, communities living near Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps bases are up in arms over the single seat flying over their near and flying over their near and their neighborhoods, disrupting the tranquillity of the homes and subjecting them to vacuum cleaner levels of noise and having personally seen the f35 fly point two or three weeks ago at Oshkosh, okay they're allowed <laughs> yep. The F-35 Giant Strike Fighter is equipped with one of the most powerful military aircraft engines in the world, making the F-35 a single-engine fighter ensured the need for a particularly powerful engine. The uh, Pratt & Whitney F-135 engine delivers 43,000 pounds of thrust single-handedly, propelling a 70,000-pound aircraft laden with weapons and fuel through the air with the power and agility to defeat threats. And the uh, Stars and Stripes reports on the communities near Boise, Idaho, and their efforts to identify the noise impact of the F 35 basing, based at Boise. The Pentagon is considering basing an Air National Guard F 35 unit at Boise, and the 1,099 page environmental impact <laughs> statement for the base has that. some grim news. Ouch. Mm. (laughs) i mean
0: we've seen we saw these at riat a few years ago and yeah i will say they are um I wouldn't say they're the most stealthiest aircraft as no, in no. noise. Uh, but then around. surely the Vulcan was the king of, of noise <laughs> well, it has yeah, to yeah. be said.
1: I mean that was a that was a noise I'll never forget as I I saw them at uh, Waddington. Mm. Uh, I saw it at Waddington, Waddington in the air and it was the biggest and noisiest thing I have ever seen. I think seen. this is one of those things yeah. <laughs> that was
0: said on the show though like you know a lot of these bases and and stuff like we're here mm. you like you know a long long while ago before the houses and everything were built around them. So yeah. if you mm. don't like aviation yeah. noise and flying yeah. and, and stuff like that, then... Pfft. Move. Buy a house in, in in the
1: Antarctic. You know, it's um, <laughs> right. Okay. Not many uh, uh, absolutely. airports around there. Well, <laughs> yeah. <That> it's true. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Is yeah. you think well, the base has been there a lot longer than I you. would love to live near. Yeah, an airport, I know. But I, al- albeit uh, military uh, or whilst, commercial. whilst I, I know that you would absolutely love that, Carlos. Ooh. I have also been very lucky to spend some significant time with your lovely better half, <laughs> who I dare say would strongly <laughs> disagree uh, with you on that. <laughs> I think that would be Gemma's worst nightmare you mm. know, she still thinks I'm amazing for having taken the studio out of her kitchen. I that's the, that's the only reason that we're, we're such firm she secretly,
0: friends. She secretly misses the fact we don't do the show from the kitchen. No, anymore. she doesn't.
1: No, I can confirm she does not. So anymore. the uh,
0: the last story, Matt, is actually quite. I looked at this as quite interested in this because, yeah, um, again, something I, else
1: that would get you into trouble for with your wife. I, it's on the popular I, mechanics <laughs> just website. Trying to find yeah, yeah, this yeah. money, yeah, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're gonna have to do a lot of discos for, for that anyway. Yeah. So uh, popular mechanics again is the website. The headline. So, can you actually buy an old warplane? Is 8.5 million dollars a lot of money for an old jet? That depends. Uh, so a Florida company is offering a truly unique used aircraft for sale, an F-16 Fighting Falcon Fighter jet available for the cool price of $8.5 million. Uh, once a deadly predator of the skies, the aircraft is almost certainly sold without its internal gun. Oh, what a shame. Uh, rockets, missiles, and bombs. Uh, and they're also <laughs> taking out the radar system, which I think is very mean. Uh. Uh, yes, absolutely. Carlos has lost interest. You've lost the sale. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the aircraft previously listed for sale at controller before being taken down is described as an F-16 fighter jet manufactured in 1980 with 6,000 flight hours. The sale also includes a front aspect photo of the aircraft in question and the aircraft is apparently in storage in Palm Beach, Florida. More details of the aircraft involved in the sale are blocked out Ooh, and behind a paywall uh, but from the limited amount of information offered for free we can discern a few things. The jet is advertised with the date of 1980. The latest version of the F-16V Block 70 includes a new active electronically scanned array radar, uh, conformal uh, fuel tanks, a digital data link, GPS and automatic system that prevents the aircraft from accidentally colliding with the ground. The F-16 for sale has 6,000 flight hours on its frame. According to a now deleted post, early F-16s were built to fly for 8,000 miles Mm-hmm. Uh, before retirement, so a prospective, uh, <laughs> what, on the ground, on the wheels? No, would uh, <laughs> would likely have around about 2,000 hours of flying enjoyment, I think they meant hours, not miles, didn't they, uh, of yeah. uh, flying enjoyment before having to invest in structural upgrades. Uh, invested parties, uh, interested parties, sorry, should also be aware that fighters can be main- maintenance-intensive really <laughs> uh, needing hours of work for a single hour of flight and the cost of fuel can push flying into thousands of dollars per hour I mean you get the gist of the story what a great idea genuinely though uh, I mean I'm amazed that there isn't some rich benefactor buying it for a museum or, or something like that I Do mean, you know, I suppose we're lucky in the fact that there are plenty of F-16s still in the air so well, that is true. You know, the, I, I guess there is that but uh, yeah I mean s- somebody's going to want this sure
0: I mean uh, we've obviously got lots of military <laughs> aviation um, geeks who watch show and uh, you've got to take yourselves over to this controller uh, website i'm just looking on here now (laughs) controller.com and uh, i'm just looking through that there is i mean there's some real awesome aircraft you could you could buy here um
2: i mean just for for you know you know that that mig 17 is only three hundred forty nine thousand.
0: Yeah, well, My I'm just goodness. going through. There's, there, just scrolling down. There is a fallen NAT, which is one of the aircraft that the um, the Red Arrows uh, used to use many many moons ago. And there's a fallen NAT there in the Red Arrow colours, and you can you can have that for 102,000 oh. um, pounds. And scrolling down a bit further, I'll buy for, two. Yeah, uh, for those of you who uh, obviously all know who Captain Nick is, there's um, there's actually a, a Phantom that you can purchase here, a US Navy Phantom. Um, and uh, you can just grab that for 3.2 million and I, I'm, more excited, I'm,
1: I'm more excited by this frankly uh, there we go, uh, it's a 2008 Airbus ACJ318 <laughs> that is readily available for you to purchase right now, it's got 19 seats in it uh, which I suggest is perhaps slightly smaller. Oh, it's the business uh, version. Yeah, the, the business yeah, the version business of the thing. I'm much more person, interested yeah. in that, I'm not going to lie. But uh, there's, there's, <laughs> p- there's literally
0: pages and pages and pages of aircraft on this website that you, yeah. you can uh, that you can buy. I mean, it, there's an, even uh, a Grumman Mohawk on here, right. um, which I haven't seen one of those for years, right. uh, which you can purchase. Anyway, you get
1: the gist. www.controller.com uh, is the website Carlos is talking about. Uh, if you want oh, to waste many a happy an hour. There's one for Jonathan Warner
0: here. Um, I mean, I know yeah. Jonathan Warner is always wanted it is. Own MiG 21, so he he can have one for 203,000 pounds.
1: Lovely, I I mean, that does sound like reasonable value for money. I'm not gonna, you probably get nearly that in scrap value. That's that's (laughs) amazing, honestly, amazing. It really is, absolutely. Anyway, before we get any more of our listeners into trouble with their prospective partners, uh, I, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> uh, Ben is. We we'll just have a, a little bit of a chat. We're a bit, a little bit short on time, I know, but uh, perhaps we could just have a little bit of a, a chat. So you were telling us uh, earlier about like the flying and stuff that you've been doing, um, but your, your real end. You tell us more about your real love, your real hobby.
4: My real hobby, which one oh, right, okay. <laughs> which well, one would that I thinking,
1: be? I was thinking more like the, the you know, the, the flying element. You know, sort of like getting yeah, in the, the air. Cup, and, yeah. yeah.
4: Your... Um I just at the at the moment I'm actually not doing a lot of a lot of flying, uh, due to some, some family reasons. Hmm. But um I I've been doing a lot of work on the aircraft. Um hopefully within the next three months I'll um I'll get that back um back into the air, which will be uh, really good, because then um I go from uh, hiring a Cherokee at you know two two hundred and something dollars an hour down to flying my uh, ultralight for you know forty fifty sixty dollars an hour depending yeah. on what I want to do. So, Much it, um, more
1: so yeah, I mean, I mean, it, um, Australia is obviously well known for being a ridiculously large country. There's no two ways about that. I mean, I mean, do, do you literally is the plan literally for like recreational use or or, or is it more from being able to get you know going like on family days or whatever from one part to another, I mean, just being more efficient.
4: Uh, For me at the moment, it's just purely recreation. I used to have a 172, uh, 1973 model 172, which I flew for work. And um, there there is a time advantage over the long distances that I need to travel. Um, So then we can basically go from point A to point B Um, within nearly, uh, nearly a third of the time it takes me to drive. So some of my clients... Um, are actually about eighteen hours away via vehicle um, so we we will do commercial work and you know commercial uh, aviation flights for that but um the the shorter you know long shorter drives of five, five hours which would be a morning's drive before I go and fix something um if I go and take the one seven two that brings it down to an hour fifty minutes you know plus um airport exchanges and taxis and stuff like that so yeah it um in the in the smaller Trips away. It makes a lot of sense to um, take take a you know, Cessna with um, tools and parts in the aircraft. But um, the the ultralight, the aeropop that I've got now, um, I don't intend to use it for uh, work. Just purely recreation. Um, I'm not not saying that it would not be used for work, no. but um, it's purely just a fun uh, fun machine. It's um, rag and tube, so uh, tailwheel aircraft, uh, two seat side by side. 20 kilos of baggage, um, I've got 45 litres of fuel per tank each side, so 90 litres, um, I should be burning 16 to 18 litres per hour for a 100 horsepower Rotax engine, um, yeah, so five and a half hours endurance with, um, you know, minimum half an hour, 45 minute reserve, so uh, definitely uh, definitely longer than the uh, standard bladder, uh, bladder mm-hmm. endurance. Is that hmm. uh, just an
0: all standard six pack?
4: I suppose in that. Um, it doesn't have a standard six pack. Uh, originally, when I bought, because I've put the Rotax in the aircraft, uh, new fuel system, new electrical system, um, basically new instrument panel too. So uh, what I've done is taken out the old. Um, it had a MGL EFUS in it, uh, it has gone away, and I'm going to um, put in a different EFA system. So I'm actually going to gild the lily and go for a, um, a glass cockpit in this aircraft. So, uh, yeah, moving that display, magenta line, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because so, I can. So. Hey, I've never
2: been to Australia. What is what is general aviation like in Australia? Can you sort of get in your Aeropup and just go to any airport? Or is there any prior coordination? or?
4: Uh, most most of the uh, major airports around, um, you do need prior permission to land. Um, a lot of the major airports around the country, Western Australia, where I, I live, uh, are run or, you know, sort of supervised by local councils or counties um, would be an American equivalent. So usually a quick phone call to one of the managers in the county or they'll, um, you know, give you permission if you've got a legitimate reason to fly in there. Um, you know, I want to fly to your town and spend some money. So they usually say, yeah, that's fine. Um, and a lot of the other strips around, um, are, you know, are free for all. Um, some of them require donation. Um, some of them you'll get charged, you know, air service, or airways fees, air service charges, stuff like that. But um, all that stuff is logged over uh, over the radio. They have computers literally listening yeah. to radio frequencies in the local area, and they'll, they'll ping your uh, radio details and send you a nice little invoice for $14 for a landing fee. <laughs> uh, <restrictive>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah it's, it's not that bad around here. Um, there's only one or two very expensive strips to fly into. There's, a, there's an island, a holiday island off the coast um, called Rottnest Island. Um, we used to jump in the 172 and go over there for breakfast, um, so... I actually live uh, four miles away from our GA airport called Jandicott. Um so our Saturday morning routine would be hop into one seven two, which is part well used to be parked about three minutes that way by car. Um we'd hop in there and we'd fly the thirteen minutes over to this island and have a nice um bacon egg breakfast and then walk around the island and then uh fly home again. So yeah. That that sounds- it was uh,
1: that sounds like my idea of flying. I see. I could co- See, if flying like, was like that, you know, I, I could cope with that. Never mind all this, you know, sort of queuing forever in an airport and you know crap food and all that. You know, it, uh, there is something very appealing about. Uh, I think a bit like when, when I went up with you, Armando. We went out for a little fly and then went to a very nice pub for 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 a, for a bite to eat. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You get yeah. to explore a little bit, and mm-hmm. so what? How how did you pick the Aeropup?
4: Uh, when, uh, the one seven two that we owned, I, I own half of it, and my brother in law owned half of it, and he flies for a uh, a uh, uh, an airline in a uh, oil uh, rich country, I should say. I will I won't name it. <laughs> um, but he was literally living on the other side of the world and didn't want to own an aircraft on the other side of the world, so we ended up selling the aircraft. Um, the one seven two was so easy to fly. Uh, I actually had a, um, a friend of mine um, quiz me when we were on short finals at 350 feet. Um, asked me should I really be eating a ham sandwich? Um, so <laughs> at, at that point, I realised the aircraft is just—it was eroding my skills. Um, so I decided that I wanted to go back to flying tail aircraft, um, something that required a bit of uh, skills and intelligence. So yeah. I put the word out on social media looking for, you know, from friends to look for anything like a pipe cub, super cub, anything, you know, rag and and tube Mm -hmm. tailwheel, And lo and behold, a friend of mine said, hey, there's an aircraft in a barn that, you know, and uh, I made contact with the owner and it had only been put in the barn because he had finished building a a new home-built aircraft. So he only had hangar space for one aircraft. So... He decided to uh, fold the wings and then trailer it home and stick it in the barn so i went up there and had a look at it and the engine had some issues which i knew about um we discounted the price of the airplane i bought it for literally uh, cents on the dollar pounds on the dollar wow. um yeah so yeah and then i threw it on a trailer and drove it home five hours and uh, yeah, yeah for a quick uh, three-month turnaround yeah about 14 months into it so yeah
1: so you, you were saying before we started the show you're actually in the process of giving it some upgrades aren't you you're sort of making some alterations to to its engine etc
4: yeah because the the old volkswagen engine uh was a mechanical fuel pump engine um yep that's that's the euro pump just there yep um it uh, requires a different fuel system the rotax you should really uh, run a of tank On the airplane, so what you do is you pump one of the tanks, left or right tank, into this header tank, Uh, and then the header tank is pressurised through a uh, fuel pump, and then it feeds the engine because you want a a constant pressure on the uh, mechanical pump, on the uh, Rotax. Mm -hmm. But um, to keep constant pressure, what you do is you actually have a a 0.3 or 0.8 millimetre orifice uh, fuel return back, so there's always a flow of cool fuel coming through the system to avoid vapour locks, um, and the aircraft didn't have that tank in there, so I've had to fabricate a tank and then oh, stick yeah. it up behind the instrument panel. Um, of course, new fuel lines, new firewall, you know, you change the engine. All the different uh, connecting rods and linkages into the cockpit are all in different spots, so it's, it's easy just yeah. to take the entire firewall off um, and start clean slate, so yeah, I mean I new I-
1: firewall, on, on that note, we were having a bit of a, a joke before we started the show, weren't we, and saying, like, essentially that from all the upgrades and the work that you're doing to it is like, sometimes you think, is it going to be cheaper and more cost effective, if you like, to, to change the aircraft? But actually, you were saying that the, a lot of the, the your, your typewriter, you know, your, your skills and qualifications, if you like, are, are enough that you can do a lot of this work that the rest of us would be sort of either terrified. I suppose being an electrician's hand. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that as you say, that, that sort of makes it a bit of a game changer. I
4: guess yeah I'm, I'm, I'm fairly lucky um, I am an electrician industrial electrician by trade but uh, I do fitting turning machining hydraulics pneumatics um, I actually do gas fitting too as a part of my work too so I'm pretty pretty well rounded and a uh, wow. mechanical person so yeah um, so using a TIG welder to weld up some frames and doing uh, machining on 4130 you know I've got um, quite a bit of machinery sitting in the workshop to uh, to be able to, to do that uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah.
1: it sounds like an absolutely fantastic. Just um, looking up the price, en- actually, Enterprise, to
0: buy right. one of these. Uh, there's um, just I'm just in, quite in, uh, just wondering what the price of an Aero would be. Um, <laughs> just found one of these on. It's actually you're not, not going to
1: get that in your garage, you I know, know that, don't you? On an Australian, <laughs> this is on. You <laughs> um, will actually, you will actually. <laughs> if you can put up. a single
4: car yeah. yeah. in your garage, you'll get one of these in there. Oh, okay. yep.
1: 2008
0: Aero Pop two seater, uh, thirty six thousand Australian dollars. Which converts at the moment to around, around about 20 grand UK
4: It's not actually UK,
1: that awful. UK money.
4: That's, for what it is, that, that doesn't mean. It's that. No. And that for that, that $36,000, so in, I'm, I'm all disclosure, I'm a sales agent for Aeropup 2, which is on the side, but at the moment we're selling kits for 24990 so 25 grand um, plus tax in Australia. That gets you the entire fuselage, it so gets all the. Um, all the pieces to build the rest of the aircraft. So the wings are all come in components. You've got to build the wings up and then you um, put in all fuel tanks, fuel systems, and then you cover it, and then you paint it, and then you put the wheels on it. Mm -hmm. So so that kit gives you everything except for instruments, uh, engine, um, and um, propeller. So if you look at 25000 for a kit, um, you're going to probably spend $6,000 covering it and painting it. Um, and then plus, depends if you want to go six-pack instruments. Now, with this aircraft, uh, the maximum takeoff weight is only 600 kilos. So you want to have a serious think about putting a six-pack instrument in because yeah, an instrument for a six-pack is probably about one, 1. 1.2 kilos yeah, per yeah. instrument for an old school six pack. Yeah. So there yeah. you're looking at, you know, 10 kilos just in instruments alone right. where you can go to a EFA system for a little bit more money. Okay. A lot more money, but you save, you know, eight kilos of payload that you can actually put in yeah. the aircraft now because you're not hauling that weight in instruments. So yeah, there's um, like with, with the airplane at the moment, I can with two two guys at ninety kilos. Like um, I'm not a light and I'm not heavy, but mm. two ki- two guys, twenty kilos in the bag, in the back, um, and full fuel at ninety liters, we're at six hundred kilos. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. so and it's um, really unusual for an aircraft to be able to actually take full fuel, full passengers, and full baggage, yeah. and still yeah. be within um, center gravity and weight. Very cool. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that wasn't meant to be a sales pitch. No, 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 no. No, it's interesting, yeah.
0: it is that um... for the price of a, of a new car here in the UK. Yeah, it, literally a, for that for a yeah. for a basic new car in yeah. the UK. Yeah. Well, you you, can basic, go and buy it. you
1: get change out of 14, yeah, yeah, 14 yeah, you k, k essentially buy, buy, here I'd, in the UK. I'd
0: rather have
4: the uh rather
1: have the Yeah. Uh, again, and
4: if uh, you uh, uh, if you build it uh, ultralight or um I uh, think micro light, I think the the PFA in the uh, UK um You know, Then you can look at uh, second-hand Rotax engines. The Rotax that I'm putting in my aircraft is not brand new. It's actually 12 years old, and uh, it used to be in a certified aircraft. So after 12 years, they have a calendar expiry, so they need to be overhauled. And the old guy Mm -hmm. that owned this engine previously said, we're not going to bother overhauling it. I'll just sell it on. So I bought it as a, a second-hand aircraft engine. And uh, he put a brand new one, and a brand new one. You are looking at about twenty six thousand for mm-hmm. for an engine. So, yeah, if you you can build a cheap aircraft, if you know where to look and you know pick up a lot of stuff secondhand if you're especially if you're home building so yeah and
1: again the one thing that carlos keeps forgetting in all of these things is the fact that whilst he would love to own an aircraft he has a wife and yeah that's true. that's that's that that ends <laughs> yeah. that that pipe dream because yeah.
4: uh, i don't know yeah you you've got the right one yeah, I mean, i've got a i got a lovely lady and I've got another aircraft too, so, you know, <laughs> dude, yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah,
1: and Armando is very lucky in the fact that he has the most you know, understanding I'm wife the in the entire world.
2: <laughs> Well, I was just going to say I'll have Megan go talk to Gemma, and uh, right, you yeah, know, th- maybe yeah. they can convince each other but when we fly out <laughs> for lunch or something. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, anyway, Ben, thank you very much for for yeah, your, thanks, your time. It's been as I said, it's been fascinating to sort of learn uh, about like the era and stuff. I I I I am rapidly beginning to sort of fall more and more in love with this whole GA thing. I I I just I don't know. It's just like maybe, maybe yeah. If you, maybe if situation.
4: Yeah, the, the, the beauty of GA is if you wake up one afternoon, you've got nothing to do, yeah. and you've okay, you've, you've got an aeroplane sitting in a hangar. You're like, mm. where should we go? Yeah. Do I just go and like? Occasionally, I used to just go around in circles and fly over paddocks and just have a look around. Mm. You know, yeah, sit there at fifteen hundred feet oh, and just you, observe. If you're a keen photographer, and, uh, I mean, it's you know, yeah.
1: GA is the only way to, to to see the countryside, isn't it? There's yeah. there's no two ways yep. about that. Uh, uh, Right, uh, actually, moving from one part of Australia uh, to another, uh, regular listeners will know from last week, um, believe it or not, we were talking about how none of us had had a little trip. Oh, I had. Oh, you had. None of us had had a trip in the A380. (laughs) Um, and uh, this inspired... I actually, I've sampled Qantas's A380. Oh, have you? get yeah. you. Yeah, uh, and uh, that, anyway, that inspired a certain um, Grant of the McCarran, uh to tell us about a recent experience he'd had.
5: Hey, guys. This is Grant from Down Under. I was pretty surprised with that really, very recent episode where you all announced that you'd never flown on an A380. I guess I just got spoiled because I've been able to fly on A380s with Qantas, Singapore, and Etihad, But I must admit, that's only a recent development. So yeah, maybe I can cut you some slack there. Because when I went to Rome a couple of years ago, I actually uh, made the effort to fly up to Sydney so I could get on a Singapore A380 to experience it. And then just this year, I've wound up uh, going to Rome again with Etihad this time in an A380. And then also went with Qantas over to the US when I was going to Oshkosh in another A380. I can see why passengers love it. It's got a wider fuselage, so all the economy seats are apparently nice and wide, plus it's a lot quieter inside uh, compared to many other aircraft. But that said, I find the windows are pretty small, um, so you really got to get right up there to try and look out from them. And uh, in all three of the airlines that I've flown the A380 with, I was in business class and wound up over the wing on the top deck, so my views was quite often... Large chunks of my view were blocked by that massive wing, and I'll tell you what, that massive wing, you look at the A380 from above, it's clear it was designed to take a much larger fuselage. Easily take another 10 foot extension either side of the wing to uh, put even more passengers in. But uh, on the subject of the A380 though, it it had a massive issue with the French and German designers who were using different versions of the same CAD tool so what wound up happening was when they went to join the fuselage parts together that had been designed and built by different parties they didn't align perfectly and wiring harnesses didn't match up as parts went through final assembly all these kind of oopsies and that was why the aircraft was late Uh, they had to do a lot of redesign work and sort things out it's also why early aircraft such as those that were until recently with singapore uh, they were way overweight and that's why they're being scrapped rather than resold they're much too heavy uh, out of interest, have a look at what happened to the first six, seven, eight sevens. 787s. Uh, they were used for flight test purposes and then all given to museums except for one that was scrapped. So if you look at the A380s, the first six or seven of those aircraft wound up in passenger service. They weren't scrapped, they weren't used for various other purposes and they didn't wind up in museums. Uh, do an apples to apples comparison and it's not quite that big a surprise when you find out that those first ones that Singapore Airlines no longer requires are being scrapped because by the 20th and 30th airframe, they uh, became a lot lighter, a lot better, more space, better uplift, all that kind of thing. But uh, that whole stuff up with the uh, designers and bits that didn't align and so on is why there's no A380 Freighter. Because the designers from that project had to be repurposed onto the passenger version when it hit problems. So imagine an A380 Freighter with an upper deck for containers, a middle deck for containers and a lower deck for containers. Pretty full on. But uh, for Armando, if you're really wanting to think about the A380 as a soldier transport, don't think about 400 passengers. Think about it as an all-economy aircraft where it can easily carry six to 800 passengers. There's been some designs done for uh, Hajj all-economies where they're taking people to Mecca. Uh, some Japanese airlines were looking at the potential for an all-economy one for internal Japanese or um, inter-Asian flights. And there are easily seven, 800 passengers. So that's a serious fuel burn savings per seat. But then you've got the problem of uh, trying to fill them. And I've got to say, not every A380 flight is full. Uh, there's a number of flights where people have reported to me that they've had a bit of extra space than they expected. Uh, not always full, but uh, I believe that Qantas was hitting some snags with that. Um, it needs to be full to get the best return on investment and to blow all the other aircraft out of the sky in terms of cost per seat. But it doesn't always work that way, apparently. But uh, on a different topic, in addition to business class on 777s, 747s and A380s, I've also had the uh, fortune over the last couple of years to try long-haul business class on A350s and Boeing 787s. And look, I've got to say, the 787 does a great job of keeping you from drying out and running with the lowest altitude cabin of any aircraft I've flown on. And I've checked this. My, uh, I've got one of these Samsung Gear S3 watches and it's got a barometric altimeter built into it. So as we're cruising along at thirty-five to 40,000 feet, I can have a look at what altitude the cabin is actually at. And it's really quite cool because, yeah, the 787 is typically around 5 or 6, not 8. So, uh, yeah, that makes a big difference. Unfortunately, from my perspective, that uh, lower well better humidity and lower cabin altitude is blown away by the fact that not one of my GPS devices can get a signal inside a 787, even when pressed up against the window. Uh, it just drives me nuts. So I can't sit there with my electronic flight bag application on my phone or tablet and watch the flight and figure where we're going to be, which routes and all that kind of giggy stuff that I like to do because... Uh, Neither the Qantas 787-9 nor the Etihad 787-8 and 787-9 would let me get a signal. Now, my theory on this one is that because the uh, 100% carbon fiber fuselage of the 787 had to have a wire mesh put into it in order to protect from lightning strikes by carrying away the the electricity to some static wicks and so on, that's turned the the fuselage into one giant Faraday cage which prevents any GPS signals from getting through. That's my theory, sticking to it, because you know what? The A350, while it still has a lower cabin altitude than the others, except the 787, and it has that slightly higher humidity level, I can get a GPS signal. So for all those reasons, I prefer the A350 over the 787. Okay, it's also got a pretty cool cockpit and those funky windows. And, you know, I was in the A350 cockpit when the demonstrator came through and got to check out the brains room underneath where all the computers are racked. For a uh, tech and aviation geek, it was a pretty sexy moment, I've got to tell you. So there you go. The A380 is a beautiful aircraft for passengers, but the twins, they are a winning due to lower maintenance cost and fuel burn. That said, not sure that uh, the twins work that well when you're in an extremely hot environment. If we see temperatures continuing to rise in the Middle East and so on, those uh, twin engines, because they have to be able to take off and climb to altitude, On single engine in case of an engine failure on takeoff well they've got to have honking big engines and to be honest they're starting to get to the point where as it gets hotter and hotter they have to offload some cargo or people so that starts to change the um, money side of things so interesting to watch what happens there but uh, of the newer long-haul aircraft I do prefer the a350 to the 787 primarily for the GPS reception But i got to say, well, you know, on both flights, both the A350 and the 787s, I wound up feeling pretty refreshed. Um, You know, lie flat business class seats, good humidity, good cabin pressure. You know, all those things did did add up. But, um, yeah, I think the 787 pips the A350 for just how refreshed you can feel by the end of the flight compared to an older tech uh, 747 or the A380. You know, like I mentioned, all of that was done in business class, so I have no idea how you'd feel after 12 to 20 hours wedged into economy like a sardine, especially on a Qantas 787 doing the Perth to London non-stop. My God, nine abreast seating in a 787, that's vicious. Anyhow, hope all is well for you guys. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, little bit of feedback and uh, looking forward to catching up with you all not-too-distant future. Ciao. Those
1: of you watching on the YouTube uh, feed will actually uh, noticed there was uh, some of the pictures uh, from when I, I was lucky enough to meet up with Grant actually when he was in Rome. Uh, that would have been two years ago now. So the, the very flight he was talking about. But uh, yeah, thanks for that, Grant. That was that was uh, very well, nice uh, to hear from Grant
0: again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, th- well, this cabin. I'm, I'm glad to think-
2: hear. Sorry, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one with my EFB pressed up against the window trying to get a <laughs> yeah. signal. You know, just going, ah, come on, I just want to know where we are.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely, exactly where we are, yeah, absolutely. It's all good. Uh, anyway, guys, unfortunately, we've got to wrap up pretty quick. Cause, uh, You've got to go and see Ed. I've, I've, yeah, I, I need to hurry up and go to work, basically, because uh, I've got to go drive a coach. Ed's, Ed's waiting for you. He is waiting for me, yeah. On the castle, absolutely. on the hill. Yeah, I <laughs> see what you did there. Yeah, very like good. Yeah, <laughs> right. Wrap up, I know (laughs) though that
0: is where we are going to bring episode 283 to a close big thanks to everyone who's joined us on this Saturday morning evening afternoon wherever you are in the world listening to the show uh, today everyone in the chat room thanks for you and also not forgetting thanks to everyone who downloads the show each week via iTunes and all the relevant Podcast apps. Also, a big thanks to our guest, the C or the today. I was about to say this evening. Yeah? Well, it is this evening actually for Ben. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. thanks to you, Ben, for joining us today. It's been great to have you on. Yeah. And also, he's doing a bit of promotion there. Shameless promotion for uh, for some fine uh, beer, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> fine adult beverages. <laughs> yeah. love adult beverages. No, thanks for joining yeah. us, Ben. Been good to have you on and uh, Armando thanks for uh, getting up at uh, stupid o'clock this morning to uh, to be on the show we'll be back next week to uh, the normal format of a yep. Friday evening show and uh, Nev will be back with us as well next week and don't forget next week we'll also be playing out the first of the uh, interviews we took at, at Biggin Big Hill, Hill. Yeah. So that's uh, to get
1: up. in touch with the show don't forget to search on social media for uh, Plain Talking UK uh, our website www.planetalkinguk.com and of course to Send us an email. It's podcast at plain But for now, everybody say bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. bye bye, everyone. Bye-bye.